Sing out the jubilee with all the fire we can breathe. And I don't think I would adjust the speed when I'm editing, but sometimes I listen to Ben Shapiro at double speed, so I wouldn't have noticed (laughs) if you were speaking too quickly anyway. Welcome back to Free State. Instead of going solo, I have a different guest. Laura couldn't join us tonight, but... I thought for this special episode that I'm calling Who's Your Daddy Part 2, I would chat with my half-sister, Randy, and she's agreed to join me. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So it's an awkward story. For those of you who listened to the last special episode, I found out a couple years ago that my biological father was not the guy who I thought he was, and listen to that for that story. I won't bore you with the details. It's a really short episode. But the way I found out was Randy messaged me on 23andMe, and so I thought we would start there and just ask how you got into 23andMe. I think you did Ancestry first. What made you decide to do that, and how did all of that play out for you? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I can't believe that it's been what nearly two almost three years yeah it's, july 2021 yeah crazy i guess it's almost two years but i originally got on ancestry primarily um because well it actually wasn't even my decision i guess it was my decision to turn it in but i got it as a gift from one of my parents for Christmas. She wanted to see if I would connect with anybody on my donor side. Um, and I uh, and I hadn't for a long time. I saw that 23andMe was on sale for Prime Day. It was 50% off. And I really, knowing, you know, I was fortunate to know that I have been a donor baby for nearly my whole life, uh, which I know we're going to get into as well. Um, But I really had half of my medical history that was completely unknown. And so um, when 23andMe became on sale, I knew that they had health data and I thought it might be another opportunity to kind of fill in some of those blanks primarily. So when did you first find out that you were a donor baby? I was probably about eight or nine um, when my mom really sat me and my half-brother down that I grew up with uh, to explain kind of their relationship. Uh, My mom is a lesbian uh, and was married to another woman uh, throughout my childhood. And we started to get questions at school about, you know, how we grew up and Like, why don't you have a dad? And so when those questions started to be asked, um, I think one of the school counselors or a teacher would have had to have heard those questions in order to uh, inform our parents. Sure. Um, So I vividly remember that I was either eight or nine. I remember sitting down in a Carl's Jr. because in the 90s, everybody went out to fast food restaurants instead of picking it up. My mom had to explain that my other mom was actually not blood related to us. Um, and she explained that she and uh, my other mom went together and decided to have me and my brother instead of an RV in a boat. It's always the the kind of running family <laughs> joke that they spent 
uh, money doing the fertility treatments instead. Knowing that both me and my brother were uh, successful on the first try, as my mom likes to boast, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how much boats and houses or RVs went back in the early 90s, but I, I'm pretty sure that's an exaggeration. I don't know. Um, my brother showed me he bought a house in 2016 outside of oh. Dallas. It was something like $146,000, and he had oh sold it back a, a while ago, and he yeah. just looked at it on Zillow again. It's some, it's almost 400 That's crazy. So I Tell can only imagine. So. <laughs> yeah. They were giving boats away back then. For sure. Um, but, yeah, she just uh, she explained that while she and um, her partner at the time really loved us, they wanted to have kids and so they uh they went to the doctors um and essentially picked us out is what they is what they always said to us when we were younger okay how would you compare that to finding out you were adopted is that a similar thing or is that kind of what she led you to believe at that point if she picked you really yeah i don't know if it was um if it was like being adopted it was kind of all that i knew yeah um because it wasn't like i grew up with a, a mom and a dad and suddenly like oh gosh like this other person isn't part of me i kind of always knew that me and my brother were different obviously because we didn't have a dad um mm. but when you're eight or nine at least back in the 90s i didn't know how kids were <laughs> made. Um, yeah so no, i didn't uh, it, yeah, it was like, uh, oh, everybody gets chosen, you know, or everybody gets kind of made in a similar way. So I really didn't know the difference. Sure. Okay. And how did you feel knowing that one mom was blood related and one wasn't? Did that change the dynamic at all? Um, Not necessarily. I think I had uh, a complicated family unit for different reasons, uh, similar to other parents who or other kids who grew up with parents who are maybe now divorced or maybe went through a divorce shortly after uh, in their kind of uh, earlier adolescence. Uh, It I think it came up when emotions were high more than anything else. Okay. Um, similar to kind of step parents that maybe you always grew up with, uh, but it wasn't like a oh you aren't my real mom or anything. At least not genuinely. Yeah. Um, just yeah. Yeah, in a fit of teenage angst, you could throw that right, out. Exactly. But not. Exactly. <laughs> I saw an old friend of mine when we were in Texas recently, and he said his I think his three year old or his four year old. Mm-hmm said, I wish I could push you into space and you would never come back. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's saying. Right. Cute, though. <laughs> it was really cute. <laughs> but it's one of those things that's also like, oh, my heart. Right. Exactly. It's like, why don't, why don't you just love me as much as I love you? <laughs> I know. Yeah, we have to teach them that. So you were saying kids were saying things at school. Did they? Yeah make fun of you were they just asking where your dad was was it just awkward yeah i'm glad you asked um and i actually this is like a weird serendipitous time that this is happening uh i actually did a 
an interview with this high school girl uh, that was doing a project on kids that grew up with same-sex parents. Oh. Won't get into that, but I just thought that it was really cool that that was a topic of conversation at her school that she was actually doing a project on. They, looking back, and the reason why I brought that up is I recently just talked about this. Sure. So I'm glad that you asked. Looking back now, I think kids were asking questions because they were genuinely curious. Um, you know, you don't really know what's right or wrong necessarily when you're like seven, eight, nine, you just know that something is different and you're going to ask questions about it, but those questions aren't necessarily malicious. Um, but me also being a seven, eight or nine year old, uh, also not knowing why they were asking me these questions and not asking anybody else these questions. I took it as being bullied or that they were being malicious when in reality, reflecting back, I think they were just genuinely curious. So I actually, uh, after that started to develop and especially after my original parental units got a divorce, I hid my mom's sexuality from almost everybody. Um, and I wish that I didn't do that because looking back I can I know that that hurt my mom um but it was a way for me to protect myself not knowing that it wasn't wrong that it was different and that those people weren't being mean or obnoxious uh they were just genuinely curious um, yeah the kids so, have a pattern at home they go out into the world and the pattern right. doesn't apply everywhere well why not Sure. Right, exactly. And you had and a different pattern. Right, exactly. And it it's almost strange. I don't know how my mom worked this out, but on our neighborhood that we grew up on, there was just this little cul-de-sac and at least three families had same-sex parents. And so to me, it was it was just a part of the norm. I grew up in a, in a neighborhood that had very traditional family units. Uh lots of Mormons in the area. And then we also had same-sex couples on the block as well, most of them with children, both men and women. And so it never, it was never weird to me hmm. to have those things mixed or to know that there were two different things. There were two different types, I guess, sure. for lack of a better term. Was that in Southern so, California? It was, yeah. Yeah, coming from Texas, I'm sure that existed, but I never saw it. Sure. Until sure. no, I never saw alternative family structures ever. I I knew gay kids, yeah. obviously, but no, sure. never families. I wonder if that's, that's a geographic thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, California's a little bit uh, more lenient, especially back in the '90s with stuff like that. I guess. I mean, I went to high school in a suburb of. Dallas. So, I mean, people from all over That's the world fair. travel through there, but who knows? Oh, well, I guess you've already talked about how you've accepted it and you didn't know any different. So maybe this question is kind of silly, but are there aspects of being a donor kid that you would change? Yeah. I don't think I know primarily because I grew up in a multi-parent household for my whole life. Mm -hmm. um they just happen to be two women mm -hmm. um 
even when uh, my mom was divorced, you know, there was uh, there was only a, a couple of years in there that she that she was single. Uh, okay. So there wasn't this major gap. I never really felt like there was a, a piece of me missing, even. And to be honest, I had zero intention of ever reaching out or finding out who the donor is, despite knowing that he was open to contact once I turned 18. Okay. So that's fascinating. So I guess we can jump in time then. Because yeah. from the time you reached out to me, to finding the donor it was like a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you got on Ancestry because of a gift, and then you got on 23andMe because of a Prime Day sale. How did? Because yeah. I wasn't the first sibling you connected with. How did you Correct. link up? So, so on Ancestry, um, I had had it for at least 18 months, and there was only distant cousins or people that I knew in real life. Um, so I didn't think anything of it. I kind of forgot about it for a long time. And then I signed in one day and I saw that I had a half sibling. And I think about two months went by because even though I knew that I had half siblings or I knew that it was extremely likely that I had half siblings, um, and maybe I should talk about when I found out that my brother was actually a half sibling. Sure. Um, but let me, I'll yeah. finish this one real quick. Uh, so uh, it was about 18 months had passed. Then I matched with somebody who happened to be indicated as a half sibling. That wasn't somebody that I knew in real life. I left it there, not know, because I, I knew that they existed, like I said. Mm -hmm. um, but I, wasn't really feeling like I was ever going to be proactive and being the one to reach out. Sure. Obviously, that's not the way that the story goes. Um, but we, this other sibling happened to reach out to me, um, explaining their situation. Um, they happened to learn when they were in their late teens. Mm. Um, but we just totally hit it off. You know, there were things about, uh, my personality and the way that I handled things that is just so different than the family that I grew up around to where I've always felt like the black sheep. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't that I was outcast or anything. I just was so different than everybody in my family until I met this other half sibling. And it was like a light bulb went off of, oh, that's where all of this comes from. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So knowing how we react to stress or how we approach life and how driven all of us are that we've had an opportunity to meet. Uh, it was enough, no shade or no or no uh, hate to the family that I grew up with. Obviously. Oh, of course. Um, but it was nice to kind of feel like I might have found a piece of me that I didn't know was necessarily missing or more just clouded and uncertain yeah i want to get to what you were saying about when you found out your brother was a half sibling but that's one thing like we're focused on facts here and how yeah like a narrative of how we've interacted with just this fact of being donor kids but that feeling of oh i relate to this person more than i expected and more than the people that i've been around just yeah. raises those larger 
ethical questions. I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> I don't want this to matter, but it seems like DNA does matter in a way that I yeah. never considered. And then here I am in my 30s having to really confront this. Right. That it matters yeah, in a I profound way. And I think that the DNA tests have changed the game when it comes to to the ethics of, yeah. and really how careful you have to be when you're making these types of decisions. Uh, I think, you know, back when our donor donated in the 80s, he had no idea that this was ever going to uh, be a reality, even though he gave his consent. Mm -hmm. My brother's donor that I grew up with, I should say, yeah. uh, didn't uh, give consent. He did not want to be reached out to once he turned 18. And I think now that these tests exist and we're so connected through technology, it's almost a requirement. Like you almost should not be able to donate unless you're open and willing to meet these people that you're playing such a big and significant role in conceiving, even if you're not raising them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to unpack there. If you're, especially if you're going to be on a, DNA testing service. Right. I mean, our donor's not, but we were able to find right. him through someone related to him. So, yeah. yeah, you've. I'm trying to picture like the 18 year old donor in the 80s. What are these kids gonna write a letter to right. the sperm bank and ask? <laughs> kids won't right. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That and makes that's sense. part of the reason why I never really wanted to reach out. You're telling me I've got to call this firm bank and then I have to get the donor number. Then who knows? Are they going to give me a phone number or an email address? Yeah. And then his he might have been open and willing then, but is he still? It's been at least 18 years. And so, uh, yeah, there was a there was a lot of. I think hesitancy on my end um, from a rejection perspective too, especially if I was going to do that all on my own. Sure. Um, and I think I'm going to jump ahead here just a little bit, but certainly uh, meeting you and the other sibling gave me a lot of confidence uh, in pursuing that call that we had as well. Yeah. And that was great. And I want to talk about that, but let's finish what you were saying. So your mom took you to Carl's Jr. Is that when oh, it yes. sunk in that your brother wasn't fully related? No, or? no. So that actually came a couple of years afterwards. Okay. Um, when I think it was probably uh, when I was in my early teenagers, I think I started to get a little bit more curious about the donor and mm. kind of understanding details about him. Like, how tall was he? Yeah. Like, what does he do? Like, what color hair did he have? And all sorts of other things. I have my mom's hair uh, and a lot of other attributes of my mom, um, which is crazy to think that you and I look so much alike. I was going to say, for, for the podcast audience, Laura was here at the beginning of the call and then went upstairs, but she said it was like I was talking to the female version of me. So you have a lot of the donor's attributes, too. Yeah, I think we all do, mm -hmm. um, and it was fun to to see that uh, come to full circle as well. But uh, as I was saying about me and my the half brother that I grew up with, mm -hmm. uh, I was probably about thirteen or fourteen. I could be mistaken as far as the dates go, but it was at least a couple of years later um, that she uh, had told me and my brother that we actually weren't full siblings and that we were mm -hmm. half siblings. Um, 
I don't think that changed the way that I that I felt about him at all. Uh, it actually made me realize like why he and I are just so different. Even mm. to this day, he and I just walk to two totally different walks of life. There's definitely something to to the nature part of all of this, as you were mentioning earlier. It's not just nurture. Um, yeah, there's definitely some biological influence to personalities for sure. It seems. This might just be a Hollywood thing, but all those shows that deal with people fresh out of college, that late 20s time, like Friends or How I Met Your Mother or whatever, it seems yeah. like the one of the subliminal messages is your family doesn't matter all that much. It's the people you choose to love and who yeah. you're around. Right. And I, I don't know if I want to believe it, but I didn't question it at the time. Like, okay, great. These people yeah. seem happy. It works out. I don't know. Maybe there that's not good and we should be thinking more about genetics. Not in a weird eugenics way, although I think that's kind of where some of this came from. Yeah. Um after going down some internet rabbit holes like, "Oh my gosh, how many people are there out there like this?" Right. It's kind of creepy. God. Yeah. The way this industry works. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, going back to one of your other questions about being a donor kid growing up, I kind of always had a question in the back of my mind with strangers as, are we related? Mm -hmm. And especially as I got older and started to date, that became at the forefront of my mind until yeah. I met you guys. And now that maybe less so, although uh, I'm sure we're going to get into reasons why it maybe should. <laughs> No, I think we should talk. Well, yeah, we should talk about that now. One of the big <laughs> things I've seen there are donor-conceived people activists. Like I guess that's the PC term yeah. for it, and they point out that in the '80s when we were made, whatever that means, yeah, <laughs> um, when we were donated, <laughs> half of it. What when half of us were donated, um there weren't as many safeguards, especially universally. So from clinic right. to clinic, you could have a hundred people come from yeah. one donor. And I think I mentioned in the last episode that we ended up meeting with the donor and he's super chill. But mm -hmm. they had told him there were four of us and we right. know of at least five. Right. And so and you might need to worry. I have no idea yeah. how many there could be. <laughs> And from my mom's perspective, at least the story that she's always told me, whether or not this is true, and she specifically chose the sperm bank that she did because they had a limit in how many conceptions that they would allow hmm. from one donor, which is ultimate. That's what she at least told me about why me and my brother had different siblings yeah. because the donor that they used for me was quote-unquote, all gone yeah. or all uh, retired at yeah. his quota. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so who knows? Uh -huh. Yeah, so and well, and then y'all were conceived in California. Right. I was in Texas, so who knows what the standards were if it was right. a network of the same kind of sperm bank everywhere. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, he did say that he donated in California, okay. and it is wild to think that our grandparents lived down the freeway from me. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy to think about uh, how far it might have traveled or, or why or how those decisions are made. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and to mention the grandparents, they're apparently really cool people too and still right. alive. Yeah. Well, I think the our grandma is the first like speech pathologist or something, the first female, female. speech pathologist mm-hmm. in some area or some mm-hmm. sort of expertise. Yeah, really. Well, and then someone had a patent on cell phone technology and had to fight oh, yeah. with the company. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I guess that's how the other, yeah, yeah, that's how our other sibling ended up at an Ivy League school, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) So how did your brother react to finding all of it out? You seem to have taken it in stride. Oh, you didn't know any different. How did it affect him? You know, he and I have never directly had an adult conversation about it. Uh, I would certainly be open to that uh, in time. So from my understanding and from the little bits that he and I have talked about it, he had a very similar reaction to it to me. Um, He was always kind of like, well, mom's our mom, you know, and uh, I grew up with you and that's all I really uh, necessarily need. Um, Come to find out later, though, um, which makes me feel a little bit bad um, when I was connecting with you and our other sibling. He happened to do 23andMe around the same time, just by coincidence, Mm. uh, found that he had some half-siblings, reached out to them, but didn't get a response. Um, So there's definitely some some give or takes in in this type of uh, relationship, I suppose. Yeah, that's you were talking about the fear of rejection a little bit. That's got to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm thankful that our situation has been mostly positive, although uh, it may be more indifferent now at, at this yeah. point in the game. Um, but at least in the beginning, it was so exciting um, to kind of suss out all of our similarities and kind of see how we might have felt different from the family that we grew up in and kind mm-hmm. of finding this missing piece. Yeah, I'll just speak for myself. My dad had two kids from a previous marriage and Uh so i grew up with the concept of half siblings yeah but i had only met them a couple times in my life like i've talked to you more than i've ever interacted with them (laughs) but now with this revelation i'm not related to them at all yeah but it was weird marriage yeah just by marriage and (laughs) no experience at all like we're facebook friends but what does that mean um but it was weird because when I was growing up, um, my life and my younger brother's life seemed to parallel those two kids. So mm-hmm. I was in band, I was nerdy, whatever. The oldest sibling is a professor at a university, teaches like jazz saxophone. Wow. The other one is a football player, and my brother had a football scholarship to college. That's crazy. So we were always like, oh, okay, well, I guess genetics are strong. <laughs> it had nothing to, to do with it. <laughs> so given everything, you kind of mentioned this at the top, but they don't have any context for that. So given your experience and where you are in life now, would you ever use a sperm donor? Or would you want to conceive naturally if you had kids? Have you decided if you want to have kids? You know, I think uh, I... How do I answer this? I have friends that um, have decided that they really want children and that they and they haven't found partners yet. 
Uh, and so I actually encourage them to look into sperm bank hmm. options because um, that there's plenty of women out there and sure it takes a village, but uh, if you really have your heart set on it, you might as well go down that route because it's a lot cheaper from like an IUI perspective than it would be from an IVF perspective to do it by yourself. And then that kind of gives you some uh, anonymity uh, when it comes to raising your child versus if you chose a friend or a friend of a friend to kind of be your donor. Right. I can't even imagine the complicated relationship that that ends up being. Oh, yeah. Um, like surrogacy is a whole other can of worms. Right. Too. Definitely. Um, but from my perspective, I'm on the fence or on the no side as far as having children. Um, so for that reason, I wouldn't consider having uh, a donor, but uh, I would, and I do actively recommend it to other people if that's something that they truly feel uh, is important to them and they don't have other means to make that happen. So when you're talking to your friends who want to have kids and maybe they can't on their own for whatever reason, and you recommend sperm donation, do you give them any advice when it comes to telling the kids that they're donor conceived or not? Yeah, I think it depends on whether or not they're planning to raise their children by themselves or if they are having infertility problems. Um, I am now of the age where my friends are getting married and some of them uh, are having trouble or exploring other options uh, and then I also have friends that don't have partners that want to just do it on their own because being a mom is all that they've ever wanted um, and either way the answer is the same in that you should tell your kids um, and I'm not going to tell you when you should tell them but I think the earlier you tell them the more understanding that they're going to be the more curious of just pure curiosity that they're going to be instead of curious and upset that you like lied to them or you hid this important thing. Um, I could, and I don't want to jump ahead necessarily, but it almost blew my mind that you didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even think twice about it. And then of course it brought uh, all this other immediate, almost panic when you didn't know of, oh, crap, I could be talking to the donor's son. Oh. And then that's immediately going to put me in contact with the donor. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. Of oh, yeah. That it, yeah, so. Yeah, let's uh, get into that. So that was a really fascinating way that both of us reacted so differently to finding each other. Yeah. So <laughs> you connected with that other sibling and it was like, oh, wow, this explains so much of how I'm feeling, how I'm different right. from my nuclear family. Cool. Oh, so then you connected with me. And how did that happen? And what's wild about the timing of it all is it all happened within six weeks. Oh, the wow. entire evolution of meeting that first sibling to meeting you to meeting the donor happened so fast. Wow. Happened so fast with within five or six weeks. Like, and that is not an exaggeration at all. I think it was at the end of June that me and that sibling connected on Ancestry. Mm -hmm. I got my results back from 23andMe the second week of July. And then I reached out to you maybe even that day of. Um, and I was just riding on a high of, yes, I 
I met this sibling and we got along so well and cool. We can add another to the group. How exciting this is. Let's start and a group so, chat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or more. I, mm-hmm. I didn't even ask the sibling, like, do you think that I should reach out to them or to who is now you? Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of did it because I'm like, well, this is going so well. Like, of course. Of course, this other person is just going to, it's going to be so fun. Like, wow, this is happening all so quickly. So I just shoot off a message like, hey, it looks like we share a donor. And you had no idea what I was talking about. I didn't. (laughs) But in your defense, it has worked out well. It was just a little bit of an adjustment on the front end. Yes. I felt bad that I just, I approached you so abruptly. It wasn't of curiosity or anything like that. It's like, hey, I've got this really cool thing going on. Would you be interested? (laughs) Sure. More than anything else. No, that's on my parents. I mean, 23andMe wasn't new by the time I took it. And (laughs) they knew that this was a possibility for, what was it, 31, 30 years at that point. So yeah, not on you. Um, Oh, that's funny. So then you were worried. When I yeah. said, oh, I didn't know my dad donated. You thought that maybe. Right. As far as I know, like my dad is didn't donate and uh, all of these things. And then two things went in my head. One, that you were the donor's son directly. Mm-hmm. Or two, that you had absolutely no idea. And unfortunately, that ended up being the case. <laughs> I felt really bad about it. Um, but it. Like you said, it it happened to work out, but um, well, I hope you forgive yourself because I do because now you're you you took it in stride and uh, I thankfully didn't ruin your life even though I it felt like I did for a couple of days there uh, no. and I I felt really bad about it but uh, I'm glad that you and I have the relationship that we do now. Yeah, so. it's been great to get to know you and absolutely looking back on it, I should have known. I just, it's one of those things. Well, yeah. One of the questions I had written down that we might talk about, it's one of those things like fish don't know they're wet. Right. I grew up in a, what I thought was traditional household. Why would I ever question who my father is? (laughs) It's just one of those things you assume after a while, after 30 years, you think you know something about the world and that would be one of those. Or about yourself anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So, so be skeptical. So, yeah, I guess. Um, but I just remember uh, kind of being besides myself, especially if I if you were the donor's kid, um, because you had mentioned, oh, I, I guess I'm going to go ask my dad if he's ever donated. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh my God. <laughs> like, I can't like what it what is this reaction going to be? Like, did I cross any sort of boundary or line uh, you know uh, as far as breaching his confidentiality Mm. um how are you going to react to that news um how are you going to like are you interested in getting to know me type of deal what other excited what other kind of doors is this going to open um just all of my at that point 29 years of life not really knowing what was uh what was any different was suddenly so different i went from one half sibling to now 
at least three um, and connected with all three of them as well. So, uh, yeah. I've been no, trying to do ask. the math. Well, and after I discovered you and the other sibling, I assumed that was it for some reason. Yeah. Because we found the donor, we met with him, and he said, oh, yes, they told me there were four of you. I have three kids of my own. And so right. I'm doing that. Okay, there's seven of us that I might meet. Yeah. One happened. Well, so this is a <laughs> this is a creepy aspect, right? So we found him because his sister was also on 23andMe. And I, I happened to question if she was using her maiden name. Mm -hmm. And so I went Googling and lo and behold, uh, a gentleman on LinkedIn came mm -hmm. up. And I happened to find his new wife through this other connection facebook profile yeah so that's so social media is creepy <laughs> and now that we have chat gpt nothing is secret right technology is scary <laughs> yeah well oh that's what i was going to talk about earlier so you talked about how quickly this all happened in the, the course of six weeks i've heard the people who were worried about the development of ai saying it could be a similarly rapid development it's already we don't, happening. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing, and it's already here. Yeah. So in the same way, I thought we were done. Okay, right. there's four of us. One he met when she turned 18, and it didn't go well, and she doesn't want to have anything to do with anybody. And that's fine. She might end up doing a DNA test one day, and I right. can shoot her a message. <laughs> but then about a year later, we had another sibling show up. Right. And so now I got a email earlier from 23andMe saying they have a St. Patrick's Day sale, and I always get excited now. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Who else is who's going to join the club? Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. I mean, I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that the first group of us, it was you and another sister and then me. Yeah. And I look a lot like you, and we all share common features. But right. then this other guy showed up yeah. a year later, and one of my friends joked, identical yeah. twins. <laughs> and he works outside, or at least near right. water, so he's a little more tan, but yeah, we look like carbon copies. <laughs> exactly it's insane. The <laughs> yeah. And then, so, yeah, I should probably have him on next. But it's weird, like, it seems like his parents might have used the same sperm bank as mine in texas interesting i think you mentioned earlier you don't know much about the process your mom went through beyond right. picking you i was talking with laura about this earlier we don't know whether or if there should be screening mechanisms so when you donate they ask for your medical history your hopefully a criminal background check uh and that's the kind of creepy eugenic side of it. They want the best yeah. uh, material possible to sell or to use. From my understanding, they also do genetic testing and they mm. do extensive um, family history. And they also do a psych evaluation to make sure that you're going to be okay um, with knowing that you have offspring out in the world that you may never meet. Mm. Uh, and I know that a little bit because my friend actually donated her eggs. Okay. Um, so on the other side of sort of a genetic material donation, sure. Um, I know that there's a, a psych evaluation and maybe that's because it's we're women 
and women have uh, another aspect. But I certainly hope that there is a, a mental aspect of it to uh, the men involved as well. Yeah, especially for things like schizophrenia that might not show up until your teenage right. years. It's like, hey, your brain's broken. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Well, and just to finish that point, the donation side is a lot harder on the women. Yeah. Yes, that is for sure. Um, but as I think um, to answer your question more directly, from my understanding on a parental perspective, you know, I think you should have to go to counseling, you know, to make sure that you're mentally ready to embark on that journey with somebody that you don't know. And maybe they're not on with you on that journey, but mm -hmm. kind of the aspect of this amenity that you're introducing into your life and this large unknown um and i'm sure they do genetic testing as well just to make sure that it doesn't like go to waste like i i have to you believe hope. that there's some sort of like viability tests that are going into play um or health tests for lack of a better term also to make sure that you're both not carrying this recessive gene that is going to lead to severe medical disabilities. That's a good point. That seems like basic due diligence. Yeah. At least at this point in the in 2020s, that should definitely uh, be a real thing. And in the 80s, they still they should have known genetic diseases were yeah. a thing. Right. Yeah. One would hope. Oh, but now <laughs> I... Do I want to know? Right. Yeah, there's that whole aspect of it as well. We don't have to have a discussion about abortion, but then I'm wondering, okay, I know we're talking about eggs and sperm not fertilized, right. but beyond that, there are other questions. Yeah. Right, definitely. What if you change your mind and yeah. things of that nature? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so beyond genetic screening for potential parents, I'm just wondering, because you're going to have a kid at that point. Like, I right. know you want him to be healthy, but have you ever, I have you adopted pets? Yeah. Like, they come one. and they check your house. They, yeah. <laughs> you fill out a questionnaire. Had, you right. can't be a crazy person. So I'm hoping yeah. that they talk to our parents about this. I think they do, especially okay. knowing some of my friends that have actually like reached out to sperm banks for appointments. I know that they have a, like a mental health perspective of it, if nothing okay. else. And I think you also have to do like a proof of income or something of that degree. Um, oh, that's something. Yeah, definitely oh, something. We can get into a lot of controversial topics there. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I don't know how much we'll agree, so... Sure. That's fine. So now, okay, we can go this way with that. So we've met the donor, and it uh -huh. seemed like he was open to at least, uh, oh, this is what I wanted to pick up on. So we were Facebook creeps because we're good millennials, and we found him. Right. I don't think he thought we would find his kids. And I, th then my theory is that that freaked him out, that we yeah, knew I think so too. about them. And I don't remember what exactly I said, but like I know one of his kids lives in the same city I do in Kansas, yeah. which is bizarre, bizarre to Small me. World. Of all <laughs> the places, like he donated right. in California. I'm from Texas. I just happen to live here, and right. it's the and same his city. Was, 
Right. And his, from what we know, either California or Colorado. Yeah, they were raised in California. Right. So she has no business being here either. <laughs> but I've never met her. And yeah. I know he told them about us. And at right. least some of them were open to meeting at one point, but then it all fell through. Two of I'm, them. I'm not sure why. Yeah. I think, you know, I think he was open to it. And I think he was glad that he met us. But I also think we came into his life at a very interesting time hmm. um, because his kids are also our age. Right. And, you know, you and Laura are having um, beautiful babies. Thank and, you. Uh, our sister is in the process of getting married and our brother has a wife and a couple of kids as well. And mm -hmm. his kids are in the process of getting married and having kids and he's just remarried and he's trying to get retired or be retired. And mm -hmm. so I think we came into his life in a period of a lot of change and I think it just overwhelmed him. Um, cause I specifically remember asking him, you know, are you open to continued contact and communication? Yeah. Not to, not for you to ever be my dad, because no. frankly, I don't need you to be my dad. I'm 30, you know? Um, but just because we're, we're so related and he was so excited about the opportunity to get us all in the same room virtually. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then after we hung up, you kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think it was uh I think it was overwhelming for us all, but especially for him. That makes sense. And I mean like and like you said, us knowing where his kids are and knowing that we had the freedom to reach out to them if we wanted to. Not that we would, because yeah, why would we? But well, we and I think opportunity to <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I think that's what it was. I asked him if he was okay if I did that. Like if I sent yeah. her a message and then I didn't hear from him forever <laughs> until around the time we found this right. new sibling. And then I think that probably freaked him out even more because he went from three yeah. kids to seven to eight plus. Eight plus. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he didn't even recognize or acknowledge that I had messaged him until well, he had messaged you randomly or mm -hmm. about your announcement um, about your second. So. I know his daughter just got married. Okay. And he had emailed me or something about being in Kansas, and he said, I don't have time to meet now, but I'd be open to it in the future. And I, it was in the context of our discussion gotcha. about this new sibling, and I never heard anything. Yeah. Whatever. I'm open to it. Yeah. I don't need him to right. be my dad. I have a dad. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting, like you're saying, well, I know I look like this guy. I look a lot like this guy. Right. I wonder what else I got from him. I know Absolutely. I got a I got a bad thyroid from him. Yeah. But like beyond that. And I think even uh, seeing how closely all four of our personalities were on that call that we had was so interesting. How we all uh, cry during movies. Not mm. to out you there, Jay. No, that's um, fine. <laughs> I'm about to out you, so it's fine. <laughs> But all of things of that nature, uh, our personality traits and really seeing them all meld together on the on the phone was really cool. One thing I'm wondering about, and it's probably just because I do this for a living and I'm in the political world. At the time, it wasn't a political thing. We were trying to get pregnant with our second. And so yeah. we were avoiding 
the COVID vaccine, and all of you gave me crap for it because I, I was unvaccinated, and I'm still unvaccinated, and I'm wondering yeah. if your perspective has changed since then. On vaccination? Yeah, we don't have to linger on it, but I'm just... Particularly that, yeah, yeah, I won't be getting any more. Um, but I actually had some health uh, tests come back as false positive. And mm -hmm. I did some research and there's research showing that uh, women in their late 20s or 30s that received a particular booster have a high percentage of false positives for these particular tests. Oh, man. And that was enough for me to know that I'm a young, healthy individual, and uh, I can manage my own risk myself. I've had COVID. Um, I know that I am likely to survive it, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm willing and able to take precautions around those that are immunocompromised, and so yeah. that'll be a decision for me moving forward. I think we're sympathetic there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Time has flown. What a weird yeah. time. So the whole world was changing. And then right. Our world and got our personal rocked. lives were yeah. changing too. There was a lot of change in those uh, couple of months. Yeah. I guess we've been going for a while now. I've kept you over an hour. I'm trying well, to think. Fun. Yeah. Well, it's great to talk to you too. We haven't talked in a yeah. while. I guess to wrap things up, what would your ideal relationship be with the donor? Like we said, we don't want him to be a dad, but I kind of do want to talk more. Yeah, I think just, I don't know, I feel like you and I, we talk, but it's not like every day. I think as siblings, and especially being around the same age and kind of going through the same things, it makes sense for all of us to be in communication a lot more often. Mm -hmm. I think that our, our schedules outside of the little ones largely uh, allow for that as well. Um, but I would love to touch on like once a year, like at minimum, you know, yeah. like a quick Skype call or even, um, you know, everybody sends holiday cards or like summary updates about what happened this year. It would be so fun to have something like that amongst the group. So I think just like knowing that he's there, if we have any questions, I still think that if I've is that if anybody had any like world altering questions that he would respond. Um, but I wish it could be a little bit more friendly than I think it ultimately ended up being. Um, especially, you know, going from a mindset of, oh, I'm never going to meet this man. I have zero interest in meeting this man for a variety of reasons. To then actually meeting him and then knowing that that interaction was so short is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, so uh, definitely a little bit more communicative than it is right now would be my ideal. How about you? Sure. No, I agree. Um, I mean, he doesn't owe me anything, but it would be right. nice. Definitely. If only to, I mean, yeah, he doesn't owe me to scratch that curiosity itch or whatever. Right. And it's not like I've had any weird medical stuff pop right. up. But we were talking about the ethics of all this earlier. One thing that really bothers Laura is when she looks at our kids, they look a lot like me for obvious reasons. But who do I look like, like in the past? Right. We know I look like the donor, but who does he look like? We have no yeah. connection to that whole side right. of the family. And as we mentioned earlier, 
genetics apparently matters more than I wanted to believe early on. Yeah. And so I don't know what influences are shaping my son that I might have been better prepared for had I had that right. connection. And I think having our own kid brings being donor conceived uh, in a different light that maybe I, I certainly didn't consider whenever I was growing up, having known my whole life as well. I always knew like in the back of my mind, oh, be careful, you might be related to this man. But mm -hmm. I never really truly thought about it from a what are my kids going to look like and what side are they going to look like? You know, I know uh, we also connected with a cousin who made comments about who we kind of look like mm. or things of that nature, but we're never really going to know. Yeah. We're never truly going to know. That was um, another thing. I get those updates from 23andMe saying, oh, you have new relatives. And I always open it and some right. fifth cousin that I'll never meet. Yeah. 1% connected. Well, is there anything you thought about that we should talk about? Uh, I don't know. Um, I guess we're not any different. And, you know, you're going to, if you immediately have like a visceral reaction to anything that you're hearing, um, I guess I will invite you to consider that you likely have donor conceived people in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, or I've interacted with them and you probably have no idea whether they know or not is a whole nother story. Um, hopefully they do if that is the case uh, and they're of certain age. Um, but, and also if you're considering it, don't be concerned about your kid looking at you differently um, if you tell them when they're young. Uh, yeah. Sure, it may come out in moments of, uh, frustration or high emotions, but they're going to say mean things anyway. Yeah. Um, so uh, know that it's not truthful. Kids are mean. And, right, exactly. And it's much better for, I think, your relationship long term. And maybe you can speak to this more than I can. Um, but from a, a parental child trust perspective, if you want them to communicate with you, you also have to be honest with them. Because that goes both ways for sure. I agree. No, that's a great place to leave it. So I'm going to step on it. And I guess for me, yeah, I don't see donor conceived as an identity. Like right, I, me either. It's just a thing that happened in my life. Like, yeah, I yeah. was 30 when I found out. So I was already me. This doesn't change anything. And so I hope going forward is this becomes a thing because apparently more people are donor conceived than we thought. I hope it doesn't wreck things. I agree. Um, I would even say, you know, I've kind of identified it in a way of not necessarily a joke, but of a way of kind of explaining like how I came to be particularly with like lesbian parents. Mm. Um, but I would, and not that this has been influenced me or identified me uh, in a negative way by any means, but I'm like, from my perspective, yeah, I had gay parents. I'm not gay, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but I think I identify as more of uh, being a child of same sex parents than I do being donor conceived, even though those two kind of go hand in hand with sure. one another as well. Sure. Uh, but the the identity of being donor conceived is just 
like a side attribute that is just the mechanics and is not the driving force Mm -hmm. of my entire identity. Like very much like our parents would never be either, you know? Yeah. And that makes sense. One is a lot more visible too, right? Right. So you're living in the world as a person with same-sex parents, which people can see. They look at us and yeah, we look alike and they might say, oh, there are doppelgangers. So that's another thing in researching all of this. Are doppelgangers a thing or is it just just donor conceived? Yeah. (laughs) That'd be crazy. We're singing all day and you can't tame it. High tide, low tide, you know. Night time, the morning time, yeah. We're going strong, headed up down the river. Oh, Lord, I feel the reveling. I feel a change on the rise.